Eat. Starting. Okay. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode of Hard R, a Yale record podcast. I am Simi, and I am so excited to be in your ears today. And yes, I meant for that to sound as uncomfortable as it did. Buckle up, kids, because we're just getting started. Y'all, I'm thrilled to be kicking off this show with my very first guest, sophomore, record staffer, international woman of intrigue, Betty Kubovi-Weiss. Welcome, Betty. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my God, I can't express to you how excited I am to have you here. Seriously, like, you don't understand how awkward it is to do a podcast by yourself until you're doing it by yourself. Like, I mean, I'm self-centered, but I'm not like a sadist. Like, I don't think that people need to be listening to just me. So you being here, thank you for making me seem more likable. Of course, of course. That's what it's all about. We're just going to jump right in here um, into a segment that I like to call regular interviews, comma, no trap. So, Betty, in preparation for this show, I obviously stalked the ever-loving hell out of you on the internet. Great. I definitely didn't clandestinely follow you around campus for a few days. Like, that's what I meant by stalking. It was definitely only on the internet. Um, When I looked you up, I found a very interesting story, and I was wondering if you would care to explain, in your own words, your experience with Vogue. Yes. Um, So, I was in Vogue when I was seven, which is kind of crazy, but it was not... I mean, at the time, it was incredibly exciting. Mm. I was having the time of my life, thought I was, like, the coolest person ever. Naturally. Um, naturally, which was true. <laughs> it was true. Um, but I, yeah, my, my mom had written an article for Vogue about um, the fact that she had put me on a diet because I was obese and I was um, had been diagnosed with childhood obesity. Um, and so this article was sort of trying to destigmatize that and, and serve as, like, a tool for other people to help their fat kids no longer be fat kids. Um, but do it in a way that was kid-friendly. So that was really great. So do you think that that experience shaped your sense of humor as an adolescent and then now as an adult at oh, all? a hundred percent. How so? I mean, the two things that that article reveals about me and that experience reveals about me is, one, that, like, I was a fat kid growing up, so fat kids always had to be funny. Or, yeah. Like, there was no desire. Like, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I was always very, like, boy crazy and really felt like my in. I was, like, honestly, I invented being a pick-me girl. Like, no way! Was, You're the OG? Like, I'm the OG. I'm them like Bettys or something because <laughs> I was like one of the boys in third grade. Like You're all a cool of my girl. guys. I'm such a cool girl. Like all my guys, all my friends were guys and I like, you know, I I was an early bloomer. I got married in kindergarten and nice. me and my husband, like <laughs> I was like friends with all of his friends and like I was just seriously like one of the boys. Like we would just chill. Um, and I think like that also really shaped my sense of humor like a lot of, I don't know, I think like women in comedy. Okay, that sounds annoying calling myself no. a woman in comedy. The but worst thing is calling yourself a comedian. So true. Comedian. When you add an N and or an e- S to anything, <laughs> yes. it's immediately feminine. Yes. So. <laughs> Um, But yeah, I think like, I feel like a lot of women who are funny have this experience of like feeling like they need to either be more masculine or need to like appeal to a masculine like sense of humor Mm -hmm. in order to be considered funny and in order to find success in that, in the world of comedy. Um, So I think that was very much an impact on me. Um, 
And the second thing that the Vogue article reveals about me is that I fucking love attention. Oh, yeah. Like, there was this whole debate with, like, my family of whether I should be in the article, whether they're, whether the photograph... Obviously, it was going to be about me regardless, but mm. whether specifically I should be photographed for the article. And I was like, no one is going to take a Vogue photo Can shoot away from me. Like did that? that? They were like, but what if people give, give you backlash or do people comment on your parents? I was like, let them. Let them. Let them do that. Let I am talk. having someone come to my house and do my hair and give me clothes. Like, that, that was just the peak of everything. How could me. it not be? I know. Um, so that I think also has totally like formed my sense of humor is that I will do things for the bit and because I think they're funny I have and very little shame because I know that like those funny things will get me attention <laughs> exactly exactly flying into our next question when you were 15 years old you tweeted the following <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yesterday I was getting off the elevator and I said have a good evening and the guy clearly thought I was gonna say good night so he said good evening and I was just glad it happens to other people too now Betty, dear, mm-hmm. my question here is, why do you relish in the shame of others? <laughs> I relish in the shame of others because <laughs> I have so much shame myself. And I think that that is evident in that tweet. I was, It was not so much a shaming of this man, but a commiseration about mm. awkward elevator talk. I, you know, I'm a city girl. I grew up living in an apartment building all my life, like the art of the elevator hello the elevator Mm -hmm. goodbye when one trips you up it's the worst feeling ever because i'm like i have been bested by and you very rarely get to redeem yourself yes exactly like who knows when i'm gonna see that Mm -hmm. person again that now they just know me as the girl that fucked up the elevator conversation like that's horrible i understand so i was just glad to know that for once i wasn't the victim all right 15 year old you gets a pass there well well but according to your profile on (laughs) www.backstage.com You are an animal lover. Betty, how many animals do you know personally? How many animals would say, oh, Betty? (laughs) Yeah, she's like one of my really good friends. I would say zero animals would say that about me. Um, I'm going to be Ladies and gentlemen, we have a fraud on our hands. (laughs) A liar. She lied on Backstage.com. Is she lying here? Yet to be seen. Yet to be seen. Um... I, okay, honestly, I'll fully admit it. That is a lie. Um, <laughs> I would not classify myself as an animal lover. To my credit, my momager, my my mother created my backstage profile. That so that has to be taken off of me. Um, you love animals, you get more roles, I guess was her. Really? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I... I was like, yeah, no, I I was never a, like, big animal person growing up. I think, like, my mom, which is ironic because she's the one that made the profile, instilled a deep hatred specifically of dogs, but also of animals in general in me. She was just sort of like... It's not an animal lover, an animal hater. An animal hater. Damn. I had to really overcome, you know, (laughs) my deep-seated upbringing to be... That was anti-animal. I was not allowed to have pets. Um, anytime I had a fish, I... Oh, well, this is another thing about me that demonstrates how much I love attention. First pet I ever had was a goldfish that I wanted a carnival. Named it after myself. It was named, <laughs> it was named Sarah, which is my middle name, because I was like, can't be too obvious about yeah. the fact that I'm drawing attention Hide to myself. Can't name it Betty, but Sarah, totally good. Um, so yeah, named it after myself. She was thriving, and then one day she was... I came out to her tank, and she was lying on her side. Mm. 
not what fish are supposed not, to do. I don't know if you know anything great. about goldfish, but they're not supposed to be on their side. I did a little bit of Googling because in second grade I was very advanced. Marine biologist, Betty. Seriously. I love Women in STEM. And apparently either sh- my fish, I don't know if it was a he or she, but her name was Sarah, mm-hmm. was pregnant or about to die. And I went to school that day and I showed up and I remember so distinctly, I was standing in music class and we were like singing our little song and I just was, tears were just streaming down my face because I couldn't get the image out of my head of poor little Sarah sit lying on her side. And I was like, either I'll come home to a bunch of fish babies or that's the last I'm ever gonna see of Sarah. And like, I was so upset and I go home where's Sarah, my mom had flushed her down the toilet. Wow. So it's trauma. It was trauma. I think so. And what does it mean that that fish was given my name? Mm. What does that say that I couldn't even care for a fish that was me? Well, going back to the backstage profile, you listed numerous skills, (laughs) including French, fast line memorization, improv, some Hebrew, tech savvy, chess, travel, good with kids, singing, skiing, ice skating, guitar, swimming, horseback riding, bike riding, and comedy. Were any of these other skills duplicitous lies? That's a great question. Um, Honestly, no. I I can do all of those things. I would say some of them were slightly misleading. Um, By some Hebrew, I meant I can say probably max 20 words in Hebrew. That's some. Um, It is some. Not a lie, technically. No, not a lie. Some Hebrew. Mm -hmm. Like, some of the words, I could say. Um, But what else? Tech savvy was a running joke in my family for a while because who's going to cast you (laughs) based on the fact that you are tech savvy? Like, what does that even mean? You never know. You never know. Cast a wide net. You never know what you cast. Exactly. Brings us to the end of the very regular interview. There were no traps at all, as I I'm sure you can tell. Yeah. We're going to move on to a game of Would You Rather. Okay. Now, Betty, before we start this one, I have to admit this to you. I have never experienced a surge of demented creativity in my life, like the one I had when I was writing these questions for you. So, we're about to get weird. Feel free to skip, but I would love to hear your answers. (laughs) Okay. Just jumping in here. Would you rather get into a fist fight with Nobel Peace Prize winner Malala Yousafzai or the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther? King Jr. Hmm. At, at their peak? Like, at their peak. Okay. I'm going to say I would rather get into a fight with the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. And here's why. Malala, she's a fighter. Like, mm. we, that's why she won the Nobel Peace Prize. Like, she, she MLK knows- also won the Nobel Peace Prize, though. In its prime. Nobel Pe- Nobel Peace Prize for MLK, I feel emphasis on the peace. Mm. Emphasis on, you know, on protest, on on marching. Mm-hmm. Malala, like, there was combat. You think she's about that action? I think she's about that action. And I think that even if I stooped low enough to fight MLK, mm-hmm. he would not fight back. And I respect that. I like that answer. Yeah. That is a great answer. I think that that's going to be my answer to that question should anyone ever ask me it. Which I, I'm sure it will come up in the It's future. so common. It's oh so gosh, common. It's like on the common app. Right, please. <laughs> okay. Would you rather contract polio or directly cause the extinction of all marine life on Earth? I feel I have to say contract polio 
polio, right? Like, FDR I mean, had polio and went on to do amazing things. That's This is interesting. This is interesting. I feel like I can still, you know, be a success women and mm. comedian. That's a callback in yeah. case you've been listening since the beginning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, would you rather eat a New York City summer sewer rat or the brain of a gorilla that knew sign language? Um, ooh, okay. My family has a deeply ingrained phobia of rats mm-hmm. um, that stems very specifically from the New York City sewer system. Exactly. So I think I'm going to have to go gorilla that new sign language because presumably the gorilla's already dead. Mm. The brain's already ripe for consumption. This is interesting. I think I could, I think it's going to be that. You could stomach it. Interesting. Yeah. Would you rather lick every inch of every bathroom and each frat on high street with no beverage in between mm. or would you rather commit vehicular manslaughter? Commit vehicular <laughs> Incredible. <Yeah. laughs> all right, all right. I'm going to give you this opportunity to tap out of this segment for right now because I'm warning you, it does not get easier. It does not get better. <laughs> Would you like to play or pass? I'm going to play. Okay. I'm here for a good time. Not a all right. Or I guess a long time, not a good time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Buckle up. All right. Would you rather cure cancer and racism? The classic. Um, classic. That is a classic. I feel... I'm going to choose end racism. I think that if people of all races were given equal opportunity in this world, perhaps a child could one day grow up to end cancer. Mm. Do you think that victims of cancer are really going to work to end racism? I I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so at all. That is a great answer. I like it. Would you rather eliminate modern medicine from existence or develop a cult following on social media for reviving 19th century imperialist sentiments? Would the cult following, like, be positive? No, you know they wouldn't. (laughs) You know they wouldn't. (laughs) What a question. Positive imperialism. (laughs) Hey, there's some messed up people on the internet. Maybe they, like, are really happy that imperialism is back. I'm going to say... What was the first option again? Eliminate modern medicine from existence. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I have have to go with the second, right? Just to be in line with my answer to the first. Mm, That does make sense. That does make sense. This is going to make the answer to the first one also a little bit more difficult. (laughs) Would you rather commit one single hate crime or a devastating act of domestic terror? I would rather commit one single <laughs> Incredible. No extrapolation needed. <laughs> please. <laughs> please. Let's God. leave it at that. Well, we're going to leave God. it at that. Betty, that was incredible. Thank you. <laughs> we're going to move on to our next segment, a segment I like to call That's My Favorite. I'm going to put a minute on the clock. Rapid fire. I'm going to say a category, and you have to tell me your favorite thing in said category, and we'll see how many you get. Okay. Are you ready? Uh, I think I am. I'm about to put the time on the clock. Let's get started. Favorite type of natural disaster? Uh, Tornado. Deceased celebrity? Ooh. um, Joan Rivers. Smell? Um, Clean sheets. Type of felony? Um, vehicular manslaughter? Is that a felony? <laughs> that is a felony. Okay, great. Good, good eye. Civil rights leader? Rosa Parks? Republican congressman? Ooh. Um, Matt Gates. Color? Black. Supervillain? I don't really know that many supervillains, to be honest, so I'll say Corella DeVille, even though she's not really a supervillain. Mm-hmm. Disease? 
Um, maybe like Ebola. Body part. Uh, hands. Late note talk show host. Z-Way. That is perfect timing. Great. All right. It looks like you got... 11. Okay. That's a pretty good number. Yeah. We are moving on. We are moving along very quickly here. We're going to go right into our next segment, a little segment I like to call lies and deception. Great. My favorite things. For a little bit of time, we are going to act as if we are having a real conversation, a little bit of improv for both of us. I have a few prompts here. If you would like to choose, you can get us started. As I know, I've been putting you on the defensive most of this time. Okay. Yeah. Let's go with, do you remember that super dark, incredibly personal secret you told me last week? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I really, really was hoping that you weren't going to bring it up, but honestly, I'm so ready to talk about it. Great. It was what you were expecting or? Well, I initially thought I was going to go to jail because, you know, it was a murder. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I do think that in some cases you do have to run over someone. Mm -hmm. I feel like you've done the same. You told me actually a little bit ago that you committed a series of arsons. Yeah, you know, I think that sometimes we just really need a fresh start. Fire is the most cleansing force. Um, And I think that just to see it go up in flames, that was something that was really just a truly cathartic experience for me. Was it cleansing for you? It was cleansing. I felt I felt anew and, you know, when I went back home and and showered and, you know, the smell of smoke was just Mm. sort of into my body. It felt like it was a sign of this victory that I'd committed, you know? See, that's so crazy because when you burnt down that first orphanage, I actually did think, oh my gosh, Betty's gone a little wild. Yeah. But then when I heard your whole ethos behind it, I was like, okay, guys, let's listen. Yeah. How do you decide um, on that first one? Yeah, you know, I mean, speaking about my ethos, I think, you know, the current state of, of child care in this country is just simply abysmal mm. and as a lover and defender of all children, as my backstage profile would tell Mm. you, um, you know, I think it was really important to me that I give these kids a fresh start. And I just sort of realized the only true way to do that was through murder, <laughs> the arson. I think, unfortunately, like it, it is, it is tragic that in this country mm. they had to go. But you weren't really left with that many other choices. No, the state left me no choice. As was I, honestly, when I committed my murder, personally, like yes, I felt bad, but I still thought it was like worth it. Like I still right. think that in some cases, clowns should live. The arc of the universe bends towards justice, and I truly, Mm -hmm. I believe that to my core. And I think that both of our actions were sort of contributing to the dialectical progress Mm. of the universe, and I think that whatever higher powers out there will reflect on our actions and think we're onto something. See, it's just so important to have these types of dialogues because people aren't talking enough about the moral, social, economic, political implications of crime. Totally. In a way that affects those who may be committing the crimes. I'm not going to use the word criminal. It is defamatory. Totally agree. I like to think of myself as a rule breaker, a rule bender, if you will. Kind of like Aang in Avatar. Mm. My element is rules. I will bend them to my satisfaction, yes. But does that make me a bad person? Only one person to judge, and that's me. And I said no. Good. Incredible. I'm with you. All right. That concludes Lies and Deception. Thank you, Betty. Of course. That actually is going to bring a close to this first ever episode of Hard R. If you would like to listen again, find us. We'll be here. And always remember to let your intrusive thoughts win. Thank you.